right, we are finishing a series today uh, about the house of prayer, house of prayer. We've been talking about prayer the last few weeks. Have you enjoyed the series, everybody? You enjoyed learning about prayer, building your faith a little bit about prayer? It's important when you hear the word on something that you begin to practice it, that we're not just talking about prayer, but we're a people of prayer. Um, even myself, I enjoyed teaching these and studying them, and it's really put a whole new breath of fresh air into my own prayer life. Believe in God for some great things. Last week we talked about going boldly into the throne of grace. Do you remember that? How many of you changed some of the way you think about going into your prayer time with the Lord? You're walking into the throne room, amen, to get help in your time of need. And the throne room is the throne room of the king. So the potential, the power, what's made available is just awesome. When you think, when you really think about what God has made available to us, what we have the ability to do in prayer, prayer is one of the most exciting things we can be a part of. And so today I want to talk to you about prayer as spiritual work. You can write that in your notes. We have Bibles provided for you. We have notebooks provided. But we encourage you to take notes. They are on the app if you use the Calvary Orlando app. And I encourage you to write notes on the side though because God will give you more than what I present to you. Prayer, a spiritual work. Say spiritual work. Spiritual work. We pray with our natural mouth. We position ourselves whether we walk and pray, kneel and pray. I'm primarily a walker when I pray. How many of you walk when you pray? Raise your hand. You're a walker when you pray. How many of you are kneelers when you pray? You like to kneel. How many of you like to like lay out on the floor when you pray? Raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, different positions, different things. I was raised in a walking environment where people would just gather in prayer rooms and we would pace and storm the gates of hell, which I always love that language. We'd storm the gates of hell with our prayer lives. But I've always been a walker for me. So myself, I like to go for long walks with God. And he tends to speak quite freely with me when I get away from the the house and I get away from this building and I just get out into nature and I get to talk with God. But though we walk physically or kneel physically or we use our physical mouths and we pray, it's important that we realize prayer is a spiritual work. We use our physical bodies but we engage, it must move from our flesh into a spirit dimension, a spirit partnership. Many religions go through functions of prayer. And Without the Spirit, it's lifeless. If the Holy Spirit isn't in it, it's lifeless. When we go through just the outward expression of prayer, kneeling, standing, raising our hands, or even walking, but if we're not engaging with the Spirit, if our spirit is not engaging and we're not picking up with the Holy Spirit, it just becomes physical activity. Just like so many other religions in the world. They have physical activity of prayer but there's no spirit in it. There's no spirit of God on the other side of it. John chapter 6, verse 63 says this, the spirit alone, capital S, the Holy Spirit alone gives life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken, Jesus talking here, to you are spirit and life. The flesh, the, the, the waving of our arms, the kneeling of our knees, the screaming or shouting or whispers of our prayers, if the Holy Spirit isn't in it, it profits nothing. Amen? Are you listening? There is a awareness, there is a partnership. We are not just religious activity. We are partnering, communing, speaking with God on the other side. And our spirit connects to his spirit. And he speaks into our spirit. And so it's important 
that we understand prayer is a spiritual activity. We need the Holy Spirit's help in our prayers. Romans chapter 8. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans 8, 26 through 28. The Holy Spirit, there it is again, helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what to pray. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what's in the Spirit, capital S. The Father who knows what's in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, they're one. The Father who knows what's in the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. See, in our flesh we're weak. We don't know what to pray. We have limited perspective. Sometimes we're filled with fear, anxiety. And so we have a weakness there. The Bible says our weakness. We don't know how to pray God's will. We don't know what to pray. But then the Holy Spirit gets involved. The Holy Spirit then helps us pray. And he begins to pray through us and he begins to partner with us and he begins to pray the will of God and he begins to deposit faith in our heart. And I love that we're not alone when we pray. That God doesn't just tell us to pray, he assists us in this prayer work, this spiritual work of prayer. But again, I want us to flip the mind space to say this is not a physical activity. This is not about I prayed because I knelt and I put my hands together like this or I did this external thing. It's about connecting with the Spirit, which is also why there's an awareness in your time of prayer. Have I connected with the Spirit? Have I listened to God? Is, have I allowed Him to pray through me? Where's the partnership there? It's not just about time on a clock to say I, I prayed for five minutes or I came up to the altar and stood there or I got on my knees and just silenced myself. There is a partnership with God a connecting with the Spirit. He helps us pray. And the cool part is this, when the Spirit helps us pray, the Bible says that, that we're weak, but then the Holy Spirit gets involved. Because you know what? When the Spirit gets involved in your prayer life, you're no longer weak anymore. You're no longer weak anymore. Jude, the book of Jude, verse 20, says this, talking about how the Spirit must help us pray. The book of Jude, verse 20, says but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. There it is again. It's not just pray. It's not just physical activity. It's connect and let the power of the Holy Spirit pray through you. To pray with you, to help you. Why would the Holy Spirit get involved in this? Remember, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The spirit that hovered over the water that created everything. That's awesome. So for the Bible to tell us that the Holy Spirit is there to help us when we pray. And then to pray in the Spirit's power. And in doing so it builds you up, strengthens you, edifies you stronger and stronger all the time. Why would the Holy Spirit get involved with this thing called prayer? Because it's the most powerful weapon. It's the most powerful work the most eternal work, it's bringing the will of the kingdom of God into the earth and God doesn't delegate it off to an angel to help you and God doesn't even just leave us alone to do it ourselves. God himself in the helper, the Holy Spirit, helps us do this holy, powerful, eternal work. 
That's awesome. God doesn't get involved with busy work. God doesn't get involved with meaningless work. God doesn't get involved in religious work. He gets involved in kingdom work. Somebody say amen. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is serious business. It is spiritual work. Amen. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 14. Have you found it in your Bibles? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. Let me pause real quick for those of you that are like, what's tongues? It sounds odd. The word tongues is a different word for languages, language. Like the tongues of men, the tongues of angels. The tongues are different languages that God distributes as we're baptized in the Holy Spirit to assist us to pray beyond our normal mind space, to pray beyond our normal language where the Holy Spirit can pick up, pray through us in a language we did not learn so he can pick up with our mouth even though our mind might not totally understand what we're saying. And so then he, the cool part about that, you say, what's the benefit of praying beyond what your mind can understand? Is because God is trying to get his mindset into the earth, not your mindset into the earth. God is trying to get his will and his understanding, his solutions into the earth, not yours. We would pray too small. Are you hearing me? Our fear, our anxiety, our limited thinking, our physical education would get involved rather than letting God pray God-sized prayers into the earth, but he needs your mouth. He needs you to declare it. He needs to pray through a human vessel, the earth suit, to release it into the earth. Are you understanding this? Okay. And so God, the creator of language, you could see it back in the book of Genesis at the Tower of Babel when he distributed languages in an instant. God, the creator of language, has the ability to deposit one and give one to us as he wills. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, for if I pray in tongues, listen to this, my spirit is praying. Do you see the connection here? Your spirit, that's a little s, that's your spirit is praying. It's doing something. It's not talking about the body. It's not, it's not a, just a physical activity. When you're praying in tongues, it's very clear that your spirit person on the inside is at work, is doing something. My spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, which is, again, lowercase s, it's your human spirit. I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words that I understand. The King James says, with my understanding. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you pray, praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people around you who hear it because they don't understand what you're saying. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. I appreciate that. I just wanted to add that little extra one in there because I love 
the gift of speaking in tongues. I'm not ashamed of it, and I think every believer should utilize it because it's a tool and a weapon. It's a great strengthening prayer tool and weapon that we have available to us. Amen? But here's what I want you to see in this 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You see Paul saying that there's this switch, that I'm praying with my spirit and I'm praying in my understanding. I'm praying with my spirit and I'm praying with my understanding. There's this partnership between the two that happens. And I want you to be aware of it. Because if you just pray in your understanding, you may not flip that switch into catching it up in the Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Spirit. And there's times to pray in the Holy Spirit, and then there's times to, yes, engage what you do know, to share what's on your mind, to have some, some conversation with God that you understand what you're saying. But I want you to see there's this spirit side of prayer that goes beyond our carnal limited understanding. It's not just a work in your mind, what you can perceive, what you can conceive with your natural mind. There has to be this this increase, this flipping into this spirit side of prayer. And I would encourage us, sometimes we're praying all in our understanding and we're not hooking up with the Holy Spirit with the praying in tongues or letting the Holy Spirit pray through us. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And we just, we stop in the realm of understanding. We stop with the realm of our carnal, natural mind. And we have to be aware that we have the ability, conscious ability, to pray with understanding and then also be praying with the Spirit. You're a spirit. Write this in your notes. You are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. You are a spirit first. Sometimes we see ourselves outward into the inward, but the outward is temporal. That is not who you are. It is your earth suit. Just like the car you drive is not who you are. Some of them are like, amen. <laughs> Although some people take too much pride and identity in the car they drive and they think that's who they are. Your car is not who you are. Your human earth suit is not who you are. You are a spirit. You are an eternal spirit created by an eternal God who is spirit. Amen. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. You live in a body. First Thessalonians, I like to give you scripture for everything. It's just who I am so that you don't like just assume things. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole, that's your complete whole, Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. The Bible breaks you into these three parts. Is that helpful? So let's talk about those three parts. Your spirit. Your spirit is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Your spirit is clean and holy in nature, capacity, quality. That's your spirit person. That's why that verse where it says old things have passed away, all things have become new, you're a new creature. That's why when you pray to give your heart to Jesus, you didn't get a new body. Like you didn't get up off the altar and go 20 years younger. You know what I mean? You didn't regrow hair if you lost your hair. You didn't get your eternal body. 
Because that's not what was recreated new. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It wasn't your body. But it also wasn't the soulish part of you. What's the soul part of you? Your soul can be defined by many theologians as your mind, will, and emotions. Please write these things down. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. I like to do it like this. If I was taking notes right now with you, I would draw three stick figures. Because that's about the extent of my artistic ability. I would draw three stick figures. I would write spirit, soul, body over the top. Go ahead. Try it. You'll like it. Under spirit, I would write new creature. I would write holy, perfect. I would write new nature. I would write capacity increase. Under soul, I would write mind, will, and emotions. When you gave your life to Jesus, did you all of a sudden have all those negative emotions, negative thought processes, all of the negative memories, did they all just go away and you never even thought about them again? No, they didn't. See, what happens with your mind, will, and emotions, the Bible says that's our responsibility now as a Christian to renew our mind. Romans chapter 12. Through the washing of the water of the word. That takes work, doesn't it? Learning new thinking. Right? Why? Because I need to renew my mind. Which, renewing your mind isn't just adding his thoughts to your thoughts. It's replacing your thoughts with his thoughts. That's good preaching, Pastor Kevin. I know. And I didn't even spit or scream or anything. I just said it. Just like that. And it's just as powerful. Thank you. But I want you to understand is that when you renew, when you became a new creature, it was your spirit that became a new creature. Your mind, will, and emotions, they need work. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us with that work. Amen. And then your body, your body would also then involve your appetites, chemical addictions, habits. There are some people when they give their life to Jesus, they're set free from addiction just like that. Praise God, we believe in that. That is real. And we celebrate those testimonies. But then there are others who give their life to Jesus and their physical body, has, they have to go through a process to remove those habits, to let those chemicals get out of their body. And it's, it's work. Are you understanding that? So though we believe and pray for instantaneous deliverance of those things, there are certain journeys that people are on. Even though they're saved by grace, they have a brand new spirit, recreated in Christ, they're still growing and sometimes that body becomes the journey for a little while. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And you will be victorious. You are already victorious. Just that inner victory is working itself out into the outward victory. Amen. You'll get there. God knows what he's doing. He's not done with you. He knew what he was getting when he received you into his family. He's not intimidated by it. Just don't quit. Come on now. Just don't quit. In your soul, or underneath your soul, write some of these things. That would be, when I say mind, will, and emotions, that's your thoughts, the way you think, your emotional patterns. Can we be honest with ourselves? We have emotional patterns. Amen. Every third or fourth day, I have a grumpy day. 
I just have this, and if it's cloudy outside, it's over. That's why I moved to Florida. I was not a happy person in Illinois, where it's cloudy like 90% of the time. But, you know, we do. We have, that's the physical side of us. That's the mind, the will, the emotions, even the physical body side of us that are affected by those things. Thought patterns, emotional patterns, even our limited carnal education. When I say carnal, I don't mean like sinful. I mean physical education and not physical like working out, but like the, the, the education that we receive in the natural realm. Okay? Prayer, being a spiritual work, requires us to be conscious of how much we're operating in the soul realm or in the body realm and then in the spirit realm. It's important. I want you to understand this. Prayer is a spiritual work. Say prayer is a spiritual work. That means we need to be conscious. Say conscious. See, because we can do things consciously and we can do things unconsciously. We need to be conscious of how much time Operating in prayer, am I actually operating strictly in my soulish realm or in my body realm? Okay? What we want, remember? Soul, mind, will, emotions, my wills, the things that I want. We have wills. Try training up a two or three year old, it's strong. Like their will. <laughs> Even when you were three, right? You would throw things down. I want this and I want that. And we had appetites and desires and wants and, and thought processes. And you know that can come into our prayer life as well. So it's about being conscious of how much we're operating in our soulish realm or in our body realm. What we want. How we feel. Think about how many times when we go into a time of prayer... This is what I want. This is how I feel. These are my emotions. This is, this is how I would do this based on what I want. Based on what I feel should be done. What we can see or understand. That goes into our soulish realm. Our mind. Our will. Our emotions. Do you understand? What we can see or understand. What if the only things we prayed out of our mouths were things we could see or perceive from our limited point of view. We're a human being. We live in the valley of the shadow of death. We live in the chaos. We live in the fallen world. We don't see from God's perspective. He sees the whole timeline. He sees the impact of all of our prayers. He sees the impact of the answer of those prayers. Are you understanding me? Amen? And so how many times am I praying from what I want, what I feel, even if I'm upset with somebody, and I pray, God, do this or do that. Well, maybe the best thing isn't to do this or that. Maybe God has another option. But you see, my emotions want to pray this. My opinion wants to pray this. My feelings want to pray this. This is what I want. <laughs> I don't want to lose this. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Mine, mine, mine. And I'm not saying that God won't let you have things that you want. But I am saying to be conscious when we're not stepping into a spirit side, letting the Holy Spirit pray, spirit prayers, and we're just praying from our soul. Or we're just praying from our 
personal physical appetites and hungers and feelings. My feelings are hurt. I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm needy, I'm this, I'm that. And all of that, it, it can take over and lead our prayer life rather than the spirit side lead our prayer life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. Prayer being a spiritual work requires us to be conscious of how much we're operating in the soul and the body realms. What we want, how we feel, what we can see or understand, what we like or what we think versus what God is wanting to say or do. In comes fasting. See, Pastor Kevin, this was Thanksgiving weekend. I know, right? This is a great time to talk about fasting. In the New Testament, they would fast to minister to the Lord. What would that look like? It looked like, minimize, it looked like time with him, minimizing focus on the flesh. Fasting, time with the Lord. They would fast to ordain people into the ministry to make sure they got it right, to make sure they were praying God's will into them. That they weren't just giving them a token prayer of send off, but that they were prophesying, they were laying hands upon, they were praying the future of those ordained ministers. This is spiritual work. So why just limit it with your physical understanding? They would also use fasting to seek God in times of crisis. How many of you could say you could use some God wisdom in your current situation? Raise your hand. We can seek God with just prayer, but in the New Testament, they would also spend time fasting. Why? Why would fasting be a part of seeking God in times of crisis? I do want to say this, it is important to have a purpose when you fast, to have a purpose when you fast. You might be fasting to increase spirit, your personal spirit sensitivity. You might be fasting to seek wisdom of God. Do not just fast because it's tradition or routine. Some people just kind of use fasting like, oh, it's the first of the year, let's fast. What are you fasting for? Where's your faith in that fast? What are you seeking in that fast? Why are you fasting? Is it just because it's tradition? Vain tradition doesn't get things done. Faith gets things done. Are you understanding? Faith gets things done. I'm fasting because I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to hear on a higher level. I'm fasting to get my, my flesh man put down a bit so my spirit man can rise up a bit and pray on another level. I'm fasting on purpose. Say, fasting on purpose. Amen. You are not a religious person. You are a child of God. You are not a religious person. You are a child of God and of the kingdom of God. So you don't fast out of routine. You don't fast just because someone tells you to fast. A leader or someone saying, we should fast. Yeah, let's fast. You fast on purpose. And you don't fast to win a bet. I say that because I've had some conversations with some of my own sons. And they were fasting. And I was like, why are you fasting? And they're like, well, I have a bet with three other people. I was like, that's not why you fast. So maybe I'm preaching to some of my own family members today. 
don't fast to win a bet. But we do have lack of understanding sometimes in fasting, so we make up all kinds of crazy things. Amen. For me, fasting is helpful when I feel as if things are closing in on me and I'm overwhelmed by situations. Why? Because if, if you feel like things are closing in on you and you're overwhelmed by circ circumstance situations, it's because you're all stuck in the natural. Did you hear what I just said? Why do I feel overwhelmed by the situations? Because the situation looks bigger than God to me right now. Because the anxiety, the pressure, I, I can't see a way out. Because the money side doesn't make sense. The budget side doesn't make sense. These pieces don't seem to make sense. I don't see a way out. And it's like the weight of the world is coming upon you. But you're not limited to what the natural mind can conceive. And so fasting is a great way to tell your flesh and your soul, your mind, will, and emotions to minimize while you expand your time in the spirit with God and your spirit person gets increased. Are you understanding this? For me, fasting is helpful when I feel like things are closing in on me and situations are overwhelming. I need to hear from God. And during these times, my mind, my will, my emotions are screaming in fear and anxiety and panic. There are things that God has asked me to lead or to do that are so much bigger than me. But I'm so thankful that he does not leave us here on our own. The weight of the world is not on my shoulders and it's not on your shoulders, it's on his. Amen. But in the natural, you see how your natural mind, your natural mind will draw you in to the limited limitations, the impossibilities, and all these voices will sound true. But you're like, I just need to get with the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God saying right now? And fasting is a great way to turn up the volume in the Holy Spirit, turn up the volume in the Spirit. Please remember this, write it in your notes. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your fasting is not about changing God. It's about changing you. Amen. Fasting does not earn more power. Fasting does not earn more love. Fasting does not earn more favor. Power, love, favor is all because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit filling your life. I just said something really important there. Because there are those who will be like, I need more power, I'm gonna fast. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You don't need more Holy Spirit, he's there. Amen. You don't get 30% of the Holy Spirit and then by fasting you get like 35% and like you're just like, no, you are filled with the Spirit of God. Baptized, dunamis power, dynamite power from God. And you didn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit because you earned it through fasting. You received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he's a gift of grace 
because of Jesus. Jesus' blood paid for you receiving the Holy Spirit and washing and cleansing you to be pure to receive the Holy Spirit. You do not receive more power through fasting. You do not receive more love through fasting. You were loved while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Are you understanding me, church? You're like, well, I just want God to love me more, so I'm going to fast. No. God can't love you more because he loves you with his all already. You don't earn more power, you don't earn more love, and you don't earn more favor. The favor of God is upon you as a grace as well because you're his child. We're also not fasting to obey some of the Old Testament laws. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law of the Old Testament, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So we don't fast traditionally just because of an Old Testament law and somehow we're going to fulfill the law by fasting. Christ fulfilled the law for us which then frees us up to fast for a different purpose. Are you understanding me, church? Now, the reason these things were in Old Testament law were because God built it into their routine. God built it into their calendar. Fasting was important for them, and so God built it into their expectations. But now we don't do it to fulfill the law, but those same promises, those same benefits of fasting would, yes, still remain. The benefits of fasting remain, but not the legal law that requires you to fast. You fast by faith. Are you understanding what I said there? But the value, the reason God would have implemented fasts for his people to get away with God, to put down the mind, will, and emotions, to put down the flesh, to spend increased time with God and his presence and spirit, those benefits would still remain. It's the same thing with giving and tithing in the Bible where the tithe, you know, people are like, we're, we're not under the law anymore and the tithe and the law and da, da, da. First of all, tithing predated the law. But beyond that, the benefit of the tithe remains. It may not be a law anymore, but the promises of the tithe remain. That's good preaching. I know, there's been a lot of good preaching today. So much. I mean, it's like just flowing. It's awesome. Fasting does not earn an answer because you've suffered for it. God, I'm starving myself. Answer me. Because again, that's a, that's a natural outward working. Let me say it like this. You are not the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal would go and cut themselves, rip their clothes, do all this external stuff in the flesh in order to get Baal to listen to them. We do not fast or make our bodies suffer to get God to listen to us. God listens to you because you're his child. Are you hearing me? We've got to get all this religion, kind of what Maria was praying about, out of the idea of fasting. God, I'm so hungry. Now you have to listen to me. He listened to you when your belly was full. Amen. Fasting does not earn answers because you've suffered. You are answered because God promised to answer you as his child. God made a promise to hear your prayers because you're his child. 
Fasting is about changing the loudest voices in our lives. That's what it is about. Fasting is about changing the loudest voices in our lives. Our flesh can have a loud voice. Is that true? It's true. There's times where your flesh will be like, I need to look at pornography. Maybe not your flesh, but you know, your neighbor's flesh. But fasting makes sure your flesh knows your flesh doesn't get to call the shots. I, I have this desire to do these drugs. I have to do this. I have to. My flesh is crying out. Fasting helps remind your flesh who's in charge. Amen. Fasting is about changing the loudest voices in your lives. Your mind is not in charge. Your mind, what you can see, what you can perceive, what you can understand in the natural. My limited human mind isn't what's in charge. God's spirit is in charge. The sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God, not by our natural mind. Somebody say amen. Amen. Our wills, because we do have wills that fight against God's will. Just like that little three-year-old I talked about with temper tantrums. We can be 80 years old and still throw temper tantrums. Come on. We just call it something else. But it's just a temper tantrum because we don't get our own way. Our emotions don't get to call the shots. Thank the Lord for that. Because if my emotions call the shots, I'd quit every other day. I'd probably send fire down on about half a dozen people every week. Come on. Don't just laugh at me. You know you do it too. Come on. Fasting is about changing the loudest voices in our lives and turning up the volume of spirit sensitivity. Turning up the volume of spirit sensitivity. Let me say this, fasting does not do much good if you don't spend additional time in prayer with the Spirit. Fasting without prayer is called a diet. It's not called fasting. Oh, I'm going to be fasting this week. No, you're dieting. It's exchanging time that you would be eating or time or meals and making sure you're cranking up the time with God. You're cranking up the time with God. Amen. Fasting without prayer is just a diet. Fasting is giving priority attention to your spirit and God's Holy Spirit. That's fasting. Fasting demonstrates to yourself that you don't need to do, feel, or get everything your mind, will, and emotions or body demands. Fasting demonstrates to yourself that you do not need to do, get, or feel everything your mind, will, or emotions, or body demands. Fasting reminds the rest of you who's in charge. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Your body doesn't get to call the shots on everything that your fleshly desires want to do. Some people fast other things than food. I've heard that. I've done that. Fasting television, fasting a sport, fasting something else. Some people fast other things than food. But I personally believe that my big demons come out when I fast food. 
I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not talking physical demons. I'm just saying this. You take away my meat, you take away my sugar, you take away my coffee, I will manifest. <laughs> you take away TV, I'm like, eh, that's fine. You know, you take away something that I like to do. There is something about food that has to be worked with here. Like there's, these are, this is, there's, I do understand that I'm not knocking the idea of fasting things other than food. But from the beginning, they didn't have TV to fast. They didn't have iPhones and cell phones to fast. They didn't have, it started with food. And I think there's a reason. Our human body, the way our body hungers, the feeling of hunger, the feeling of saying no to the flesh, some of those things. There's something extremely dynamic about actually fasting food. Amen. Oh, and by the way, this doesn't mean you can't have lunch today. You're like, great, now I'm going to feel guilty going out to lunch after church today. No. I'm just trying to encourage you at some point, if you're facing big things or when you face big things, or to make it a part of a routine in your life, consider prayer with fasting. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, again, it's not about, hey, go do this today. It's about let the Spirit lead you and being open to times of prayer and fasting. Fasting needs to come back to the church. Fasting needs to come back to the body of Christ with faith, with understanding, not religious ceremony and tradition. Amen. How do we fast? Real quickly, and then I'll close. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. What should it look like when we fast? Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And when you fast, this is Jesus speaking, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable, disheveled, so that people will admire them for fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you're doing and what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Why do I bring that up? How do you fast? When you fast, don't get all disheveled and miserable looking so that people feel sorry for you that you're fasting. I'm fasting. Glory to God. You didn't brush your hair. I'm fasting. The Bible says wash your face. Put on some nice clothes. Come on. Look good. And you want to know why? Here's why I believe why. First of all, the Bible doesn't want you to try to get sympathy from other people. But here's the thing. If you're fasting, you're getting with God. You're getting revelation. You're getting wisdom. You're getting strength. You're, you're interacting spirit to spirit. What do you have to feel miserable about? It should be the, some of the most exciting times. Like, I'm in a season of prayer. I'm in a season of revelation. I'm in a season of the presence of God. It should, you should look like you're rejoicing. You should look better. Amen. When you're spending extra time with God, you shouldn't be drooping around, looking all miserable all the time because you're fasting. Because it's an increased time with God and revelation in exchange with His Spirit. Somebody get excited about that. That's why you don't look all messy because then it's, 
It's like you're just suffering with no benefit. That's what you're, it's like you're portraying, and that's ridiculous. That's not what fasting is. Amen. What should I expect when I fast and pray? Most likely you'll receive knowledge, wisdom, heightened spiritual sensitivity. What should I expect when I fast, Pastor Kevin? What, what should I be looking for? Knowledge, which is information, perspective, insight, understanding, wisdom, which would be applied knowledge. What do I do with the knowledge that I've received? Amen. Heightened spiritual sensitivity, discerning of spirits, discerning of people, discerning of your own human spirit, discerning of situations. If you do begin to see more power flowing through you, it's not because you earned it, but rather because your faith and cooperation with the spirit is more aligned. He's the same spirit, but we finally got out of our own way. That's why you see the increased power. It's not because you earned it through fasting. It's just you got, you got out of your own way finally. Amen. Fasting and prayer must come back to the house of God. We've become so clouded and naturally minded without even realizing it. These times of prayer and fasting are a reset to the manufacturer's designs. Get all the clouded emotions, thoughts, opinions, circumstances out of our eyes. Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And so my question is, will you consider some times of prayer and fasting as we approach the end of the year and the start of a new one? Are there some flesh habits, mindsets, wills, emotional patterns that you would like to break out of? Maybe it's residue from some past seasons of hurt, disappointment, or fears that you do not want to dominate you anymore. If you're facing some pressures or overwhelming situations, step into the throne room of grace Turn up the volume of your spirit person on the inside and expect to receive answers, wisdom, peace, and ability for every situation. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? Did you get anything out of that today? Go ahead, give God praise for that, would you, church? Give God praise. So I do encourage you today to consider fasting at some point as the Holy Spirit leads you. I wanted to deposit this word in you in this series on prayer because we are coming to the end of the year and we are going to the beginning of a new year. And I just believe that there are some things God wants to help us with, talk to us about, and fasting needs to be a part of what we do. So our spirit person can hear on another level. God is a speaking God and he wants to talk to us. It's just we get so much flesh, soul, mind, will, emotions get in the way. And so fasting is a tool that God's given us. Let me pray this into your life. Heavenly Father, I pray over this house. I thank you for the last month as we've talked about prayer. We are not hopeless. We are hopeful. There are some big giants. There are some big mountains that face us. But our God is bigger. And Lord, you've already prepared the answers and the solutions. You've already made precious promises. And so God, I ask that you help us as a people of God to begin to awaken in the spirit to begin to awaken to who we are as children of God, citizens of the kingdom, to awaken that we have these weapons of our warfare which are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And Lord, we thank you that we are a house of prayer. We're a people of prayer. We do business, governmental exchange. Mountains move and things, things change because your people are praying. And so God, I thank you as you lead us to fast, that you give us the faith to do it, 
and that, God, we would see the benefit of fasting as it's supposed to be. God, thank you that we're not being religious about this. We want to grow. We want to be with you. And God, we thank you that we don't have to do everything our mind, will, and emotions, and our flesh wants to do. Thank you for our spirit person growing. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name. If you agree with all that, just give God a big amen and celebration. Would you please? Amen. Amen. Let me do this. Before I dismiss you today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means we all need a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, that separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity today to call on the name of the Lord, that he would save you. Save you from your sin, save you from hell, but also save you into his family, into eternal life. And so if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes for the next minute, I want to give you an opportunity to call on the Lord to save you. Today you may say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, but I'm ready. I need to do that. Or you may say, I used to have a walk with God. I used to have a relationship with God, but I've walked away. I've grown cold, and I'd like a restart with God. When I count to three today, if you'll simply just raise your hand right where you are at your seat, we're going to pray with you right there. I'll have you repeat a prayer with me, and we'll all pray together. But if you know in your heart you're not right with God, but you want to be, when I count to three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up anywhere in the room today? There's a hand right there in the back. I see you. Anybody else? I need to get right with Jesus today. Just pop your hand up. There's second hand, third hand. Wonderful. Anybody else today? Four. Thank you. Anyone else? Five. Six. Awesome. Isn't God good? Praise God. Let's pray a prayer, would you? Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless.